my brother is watching Breaking Bad, Ooh. and <laughs> I'm bad with spoilers because I forget what happens where sometimes. Mm. So he's like, "Oh, have you seen this part?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I saw the show, but that's after this person dies, right?" And he's like, "Wait, that person dies?" And I'm like, "No." <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Films and Fika, the podcast with two random dudes talking about something completely uninteresting for an hour or two, pretty much like every other podcast out there. Um, Today, we're talking about The Lobster, the movie by Georgios Latimos, uh, over a cup of coffee, also known as a fika, or maybe even tea time if you're born British. I'm joined here today with my dear friend and colleague, Mao. Oh, hello. Hello. Hello there. What's up? How are you? Oh, none of us are answering. Okay, great. I'm good, Algot. How are you? I'm good. What's up with you? Um, I've been sick. I've been sick for the past three days. It's disgusting. But, um, you know, we Ooh. do what we need to do for our art. Oh, you're so you know? strong. Yes. It was tough. I am completely suffering. I am making a sacrifice for all of our listeners, which actually brings me to the fact that I totally forgot to say this last week, but we're over a hundred plays. Um, oh, are we now? Are, like in yes. total? Cool. Um, yeah. So we have around 130 plays on the podcast episodes and then we have more on the youtube channel so i think we're actually almost at 200 like total like video and audio yeah um and i think that's really cool and we're also in a whole bunch of countries you know um we're in south africa poland japan sweden switzerland russia mexico the u.s canada canada same country. Beautiful. Yeah, it's cool. We're, I think it's really nice. We're spreading like a go- global <laughs> pandemic almost. It's really <sighs> neat. Unfortunately, not that fast. <laughs> we can only dream. So what have you been up to <laughs> this past week? Is it is it only going around feeling sick, terrible about yourself? Yeah, kind of. So like I finished editing last week's episode, which yeah. if you haven't, Check it out. Woo. Some of our best work. Jojo Rabbit. Um, so after I finished editing, uh, my body decided to get sick. And uh, it's been a bitch. So I've mostly been bedridden. So that's pretty much it. Um, watched any good movies done. at all? No. Good movies? I watched a bunch of mediocre ones. Ah, there you go. You know? Did I mention to you that I bought a HBO subscription? And... Martha came up to me one day and was like, so I finished what, uh, The Witcher. That's the best shit I've ever seen. And I'm like, you should see Game of Thrones. And then I'm like, is she too young for that? No, she's re- realistically, she isn't. Um, so she now has seen most of season one of Game of Thrones. And I'm like, so you know Sean Bean's character, right? You know, 
he's a really cool character, huh? <laughs> yeah, I really loved him when I saw that show. Mm -hmm. No, he's the greatest character in the show. I love him all the he way. He's such a dick. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you watched Game of Thrones. I saw season one and half of season two and last season with you. That's the worst seasons you can see. Yeah, kind of. I liked last season. Don't get me wrong. I'm in the I'm in the minority here. <sighs> so, what have I been up to? I'm glad you asked. I've actually seen. <laughs> I've seen the Lord of the Rings marathon, uh, all three movies, extended editions, and Oy. don't sue me, but um, I have never seen the extended editions. Like I don't. Me neither. I might have seen like one film. I've I've, I've seen many of the extended scenes of Lord of the Rings, but um. If you ask a Lord of the Ring fan, you need to see them back to back and yada yada. And of course, it have to be a day extended edition. But um, I got to be honest, like, I'm glad I've seen the extended edition finally. I think it's a good marathon. Sure. But I don't really see the point with an extended edition Lord of the Rings. You add almost one hour onto every film. But it's essentially just extra content in the form of I don't know, deleted scenes. It feels like yeah. there's a reason it's cut out from the original theoretical release. Well, yeah. <clears throat> no, for sure. Actually, two quick things about that. First of all, I think a lot of people are going to hate me for this, but I don't... It's a bit controversial to say this, but... It is. Yeah. It's like, I personally, I've never seen the extended editions. I probably never will. I don't... I understand the fandom and I understand the love mm. for Love of the Rings. It's just not necessarily my favorite thing ever. Like, I know there's people out there who are like, if I never see any movie again other than The Lord of the Rings, I'll be fine. But I just, I couldn't do that. Honestly, I don't, For ew, sorry. And when it comes to extended editions, like, or director's cuts. Yeah of movies most of them are not that great because of what you just said mm -hmm. because they just add mm -hmm. stuff that was cut for a reason most times is because of rhythm and flow and how the movie works i mean Sorry. it's not that uh, <clears throat> the acting is poor or it's like it's less effort put into those extra scenes it's just that you get some explanation on what every... I mean, in Lord of the Rings, in that case, they're like, they're explaining what uh, the the nine knights used to be and yada yada. There's extra lore onto it, but like, you kind of get it. You get the vague idea of it already. So it's just extra... Fluff. There's extra fluff onto it, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh, which and people cool. are going to hate us for it. No, you know? I mean, I get and it. Like, my, my, dad's, I get it. my dad asked me like, wouldn't you want an extended edition of Star Wars? And I'm like, I mean, I guess. But then again, if it doesn't add so much, it doesn't really, dis it doesn't make itself the servant of an extended edition if it's just that, deleted scenes. Of course, I would yeah. see it and I would kill to actually see deleted scenes like that. But So I understand it, but I don't see the extreme appeal. Yeah, I agree. If you're a fan, you appreciate it. You appreciate the time that you're given, the extra time you're given to, you know, live with these characters and enjoy their adventures. But realistically speaking, it's not necessary to the story. And that's why it was cut, mm -hmm. you know? 
And there's a lot of those director's editions that I have yet to see that I really want to see. One of them would be Blade Runner. I think I've only seen... It's kind of hard to tell with that one, but I think I've only seen the... It's uh, so hard to tell. <gasps> yeah. Because there's officially, I think, three or four versions. Uh, I think it is three. That's one of the ones that I do like the director's cut more, mm -hmm. just because it doesn't add anything. It just changes... It just changes the ending, which yeah. Yeah. the studio was like, we have to change it. We don't give a fuck um, because, you know, it was different times, sad movies, sad ending to movies didn't sell as much. Um, but I like Ridley Scott's ending yeah. better than the original one. Yeah. So, and I know that's pretty much it. I know what it implies, but I still want to see the director's cut. I'm pretty sure I haven't seen the director's cut of uh, Blade Runner. I'm pretty certain. Um, another one that I've gotten recommended to me is, uh, what's it called? The Watchmen, like the movie. Apparently the director's cut is supposed to be way more like the comic books or, mm. uh, graphic novels, whatever you want to call them. Um, yeah. <laughs> with like an big ass octopus tentacle monster. And that sounds absolutely dope. Like they completely, yeah. the, again, the ending is completely different, but it's completely different in this case. So I kind of want to see it just to give it like a second shot because uh, The Watchmen has always been a film that I've been like, meh. I mean, it's okay. I see the appeal. Or another, I'm very intrigued, but it's just not. It's I, I'm not buying it. Never. I haven't seen it in so long. Mm -hmm. Like I think I've all. seen it like legit five times, giving it hmm. another shot because this could be so much more. Maybe I'm a bit more grown up now. I'm going to give it give it a second watch uh, mm -hmm. and it's it's it always falls flat to me so sure I, yeah. i'll see the director's cut however as a nice segue onto our recommendations of the week yeah i have gotten an hbo subscription and i have started watching watchmen on hbo like the show oof and i enjoy it i you know this more than anyone else here but i'm a very slow show watcher so i haven't gone more than slightly more than one episode but um it's still a recommendation that i've seen over the week and i feel like it has a lot of potential granted they can't they can't fuck it up but it feels like they have this world of watchmen and they're just making so much of that world that the movie didn't yeah it's also not an adaptation of the comic book oh, which i yeah. think is a lot of fun because they get to play in the universe without sticking to the expectations of being an adaptation of something already established. Mm -hmm. And I think that just gives them so much liberty. And I, I enjoyed it too. I think it's really good. I think that's a great recommendation. So yeah, I'll, um, I'll see if I get any weekend up ahead and just to binge, binge all of it. But if not, I'm a, I'm a slow show watcher. I watch an episode every now and then, and maybe I'll be done with it by Christmas. Legit. Jesus. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There, there's a lot of other good shows on H HBO that I would like to see, but like, it's just, they're so heavy. They're so long. Yeah. There's a lot of shows, man. HBO they're, has. They're on top of their game, though. Yeah. No, they're really, really good. They've managed to find what works for them and they just know how to go with it. Mm. It's really impressive, to be completely honest. So, with that out of the way, do you have any recommendation 
Yes, I think it's actually, I think it's the first time I will not recommend a movie Ooh. and or a TV show. Interesting. So here we go. Um, and you know, I feel like there's a lot of people who would go against me recommending this type of media because we are podcasts oh. and recommending a podcast might deter from us, but I don't believe in that shit. I just want to share good content. So I want to recommend a podcast that I've been listening to this week and it's called You Must Remember This. And it's the first time that I listened to a podcast where it's not like a conversation or like a round table or anything. It's just this woman and she tells stories about old Hollywood. So um. classic Hollywood. So I'm talking about 30s, 20s to 40s, actually, kind of. Um, and it's just so interesting. How old is she? And is she like from the uh, uh, from the industry? Uh, she, from what I understand, she was a movie critic for a really, really long time. Um, and now she moved on to other things. This podcast being one of them. And it's an old one. I think she started it in 2014 um so there's like a bunch of episodes and they're really short they're like half an hour which is ah. really pleasant um and she writes them and edits them and records them herself and she has a lot of production value and it's really fun mm. um and so yeah if anyone's interested in classic hollywood history not like boring history like we're used to thinking of the word but like you know the ins and outs of the industry yeah. when it was at its height, you know, like movie making, star making machine that was yeah. Hollywood at the time. And it's I mean, really interesting. if anything, for historical reasons, it could be fun to just see how it used to be because it's definitely different from now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Lovely. So do you want to go into the film of the week? Talk a little bit yes. about that. Yeah. yeah. All right. So this week we are talking about The Lobster, mm. which is a movie by Yorgos Lanthimos. Um, this is the first time I saw the film, actually. It is the first time I saw the film, too. Yeah. So that's um, fun. I mean, it's always... I think it, it's been praised a bunch. At least if you hang out on Letterboxd, it's one of those kind of type of films that get a lot of... Uh, pub, not publicity, but like uh, people post about it a lot. Uh, yeah, it appeals to that sort of demographic for sure. But um, yeah, mm -hmm. it's a cool film. Yeah, so it came out in 2015. Um, it's the story of a dystopian society um, where you cannot be single. If you are single, you get sent to the hotel where you have 45 days to find a partner. And if you are not able to find a partner in those 45 days, you are to become an animal of your choosing, mm. which for some reason people make a big deal about it. I don't see the appeal personally. If I get turned into an animal, whether I choose it or not, I'm still a beast. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Okay, go on. Yeah, Please go on. People make it people make it a, a thing that you can choose which animal you become. And there's a lot of 
rules within this universe that I think are very interesting. Mm. Um, overall, personally, non-spoiler thoughts, I guess. Yeah. I enjoyed the movie. Yeah. Yes, I liked it. I think it's a very interesting premise. I think the actors did a good job. I think the director is, you know, very sure of his vision and he believes it and therefore we can buy into it as well. I mean, they're definitely um, opening it up. Uh, they're opening up a lot of possibilities to explore a lot of ideas. It's definitely that kind of a movie where it's dystopian, almost sci-fi-like. Um, yes. Where it's just like, it's an alternate reality in a way. Uh, still takes place on Earth, but just completely different of a structure. And there's a lot of realistic i mean really it's a lot of metaphorical aspects and a lot of philosophies being explored through the film yeah, yeah for sure now that we've given our spoiler free thoughts you know you can go watch it it's definitely a weird movie i think there's a bigger appeal to a movie like being john malkovich which we've spoken about on the show yes john malkovich was weirder but it's also quirkier mm. and i feel it's definitely more accessible yeah this might not be for everyone i can't say um, that i do struggle a little bit with the uh the take on it all where the dialogue is very like robotic and monotone of course when you see the film there is a reason to it yes but to me personally it's just it's not a complete turn off but it's a little bit like meh kind of a yeah thing about i agree it's, and you know we'll talk about it as we go into it sure. but um for now Spoiler-free thoughts. Go watch it. You know, I think if not for the experience, for the good, like, making you think aspect of the movie, I think it's worth it. Um, you get, like, a foreign, kind of like a foreign European movie, but in English. So you can start dipping your toes in that kind of stuff if you're interested. Um, other than that, Let's get into the spoilers because holy shit, this movie can get weird because it does a little bit. But tell me what you liked about it, though. I didn't think it was completely weird. Like they set it up very nicely. Yeah. Of course, the concept of it all is disturbing, but I don't know. I didn't I didn't find a movie as weird as being John Malkovich, at least. I didn't. Really? Um, okay. So I don't know, uh, seeing this for the first time, it's always a good sign to me when you see Canal Plus. Uh, it's always Irish Film Association. I mean, like w when those credits appear in the beginning, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm automatically going to like it. Um, okay. So I don't know. It was surprisingly <clears throat> good to me. Surprisingly good. I went in with no exp no knowledge of the film. I didn't. I intentionally didn't see the trailer and such. So... Mm. Yeah, I don't know. It explains just enough of what it is. I think that's something that the movie in the bigger picture succeeded with pretty well, like on the concept basis. It gave you just enough to figure out what was going on and how the world that they live in works. No, I agree. In terms of concept, I think the movie is very well made because of that. Because the concept is established and the rules are established and that's it. There's no variation. There's no you know, exceptions to the rules. Mm. They are what they are. 
and because then, of that, it's easy for us to believe it. <laughs> and then within that, uh, the world might be or is opening it up more and more, and you see more mm-hmm. perspectives as we go along. Yeah, I think what I really liked about it is the black, like the dark comedy satire aspect of it. Did you find it funny though? I laughed a couple times. I think I laughed more in John Malkovich though. Yeah, I find so. I've, I'm not too big on dark comedy. I'm not, but uh, a lot of people find the, this type of humor hilarious. And there is some like funny, goofy scenes, but uh, I don't know, not my style of humor. I guess that's. And I feel like that's one of the biggest takeaways from this movie is that you have to have a very specific sense of humor mm-hmm. to laugh to it. I enjoyed the humor. I think it was really dry and like. Kind of British in a way. They're very British. At least so. that's how my brain thinks of it, just because I'm closer to the US, I guess. Um, but yeah, I feel like it adds to it because I think what the director is trying to do is make a universe that is really, really similar to ours. Mm-hmm. And then once we get comfortable in it, per se, he throws all these rules at us and it's like, oh, this is not our world. Yeah. I'm uncomfortable, and then you laugh because of it. Uh, from the from the beginning of the film, we we see David as he is. Um, I don't know. Do we ever get an explanation what happens to his wife? I'm sure he. Yeah, she leaves him for someone else. She leaves him for someone else. Yeah, well, that's funny too. Um, regardless, <laughs> that means that he's sent over to to the hotel where they're forced to find another another partner essentially um yeah but there's always also this funny scene when he uh fills out the form or he's talking to the the lady rather who is filling out the form um touching upon like the entire bisexuality aspect of it yeah yeah like a nice touch i find Um, yeah for sure i think it i think that talks to probably one of the themes that the movie's trying to do Mm -hmm. and it's like I think it's really interesting that he talks about it so subtly, but in a way, it's not that subtle because you remember that moment in the movie, you know? Yeah. But it's about how the society deals in extremes, you know? It's yes or no, it's black or white, you're gay or you're straight. Yeah. Like there's no middle, there's no middle ground. Later, you know? you're either another lady asks for his shoe size. He says 45 and a half or something. And she's like, no, mm-hmm. there's only... 44s and 46 or 45s and 46 i guess yeah and i think it's key i think it's key to the universe mm-hmm. that yorgos lanthimos is creating for us mm-hmm. this idea that there is no gray area that there is no in between because eventually that's what the movie deals with you know you're either with us as a couple or you're against us as a single person and the single people think the same way mm-hmm. you're either with us as a single person with all of our rules or you're with them as a couple, you know, you, you can't exist in the, in between. And I think that was really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, it's, it's essentially like the world we live in, but just to an extreme in that sense, because Mm -hmm. socially we do look upon other people in a very, in a very, uh, objective way like that 
or a very subjective way, I guess. But whereas if you are a couple, it's very easy to look down upon someone that is, I don't know, 45 years old and still single. Like that's weird socially. Um, so it's just taking that entire thing, but to the extreme. Yeah. But with the rules in the hotel, however, there is, the only one I can come think of is no masturbation. Uh, what else is there? You cannot hang out with uh, other people, no, other couples rather, or something like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can't, you can't hang out with the couples. You can't use the facilities that are for couples, like tennis courts and volleyball so courts. You can only play single <laughs> sports like golf. Yeah. Um, you can't masturbate. I think those are the it. That, that's a problem much, pretty much it for the hotel. Well, I guess realistically, they eventually say that you can't fake a connection. I guess, yeah. So I guess that, that would be the mm. other one. Like you cannot fake an interest or fake a personality trait that will get you a partner just so that you get a partner. And then we move along in the scene as Dane, David, I'm going to say Dane a bunch of times, David, our, our protagonist, uh, eventually leaves the hotel and you get joined by these loners, as they call themselves in the woods. And they themselves, as single people, as lonely people, have their own set of rules, which I find kind of interesting why, why they even would. But um, um, actually, Latimos had a comment on this. Uh, it's It's... Where we were interested in the irony of someone who tries to escape a certain kind of system and then ending up becoming part of another, and it's it's cool, it's cool, but it just I'm still not completely buying why you can't masturbate in the hotel. First of all, why? Uh, because there's also this thing in the hotel where the uh, the maid comes up to arouse the men but don't finish them, which kind of makes me curious if what the procedure is there is for the women, if there is one. Um, I hadn't thought of that. And then in the woods, you can masturbate however much you want, but you cannot uh, have any physical com uh, company or sexual okay. even. Uh, in fact, that's one of the worst things you can do is have se sexual uh, interactions with another loner. Intentions even. Intentions even. Oof. Yeah, because you can't flirt with them. It doesn't really make sense to me. Like, especially with the loners, they're supposed to be, or they seem to be more free people. Um, like, what if there is no emotions attached? Eh, I guess there can't be, if you look at it that way. Well, here's the thing, though. Like, realistically speaking, with the couples, there's no emotion there either. They never talk about emotion. Well, not the they couples about... we see, though. No, they talk about compatibility. That's mm, it. Okay, okay. In the hotel, they only talk about you being compatible with the other person. Mm -hmm. And if there's an issue that threatens that compatibility, you get a child. <laughs> which, wow. Which usually solves was... most problems. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I did laugh at that one, yeah. Because, like, people do do that. Mm. Like, some people think that a child will suddenly come into the marriage and solve all their problems yeah. and sometimes they do but it's not that they solve them it's just that you're focused on the child so you can't 
deal with those. And then they'll come up again somewhere down the line yeah. and you will regret it anyways. And it's almost... Now you have a child in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can split up then. I mean, it's always exactly. almost even more uh, funny how the couple that eventually do part ways with David end up having a kid just at least like 30 days later. They have a kid. Yeah. But that's just... But realistically, hmm. it's because they weren't compatible, right? The guy lied. Yeah, Which, true. okay... The fact that he lied and how he lies. Holy shit. Okay. okay. Here's the thing about Yorgos Lanthimos, and he does this in the favorite too, because that's the only other movie I've seen of his. Where it's like violence in his movies comes out of nowhere, and it's not heightened and it's not lessened. It's just what it would be in real world. And so when the perfect scene the to describe is, that would be the scene when they fight about which animal would you be? And that just triggers that guy and they fight in this very pathetic fight. Yeah. Yeah. But that's because that's how adults fight. Mm -hmm. They're not like, people are not Tom Cruise. People don't actually (laughs) punch each other that much in real life. But I think Um, that scene pretty much explains this take on action, I guess. Yeah. But what I meant about violence is how the limping man, Mm -hmm. because... That's his name, which is key part of the universe. No one really has a name. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're all kind of like adjectives. The biscuit um, woman. Yeah, exactly. The biscuit woman, the emotionless one, mm-hmm. uh, the girl who bleeds, the best friend of the girl who bleeds, you know, like, but when the limping guy goes up to David's room, and they're talking and David is like, hey, I saw what you did. And then the guy just turns and like slams his head against the table like twice. Yeah. I, was, I was like, oh, my God, that's intense. And I feel it's like what, well, what he's trying to do, the director, is put all of these scenarios that mirror and exaggerate how we behave as human beings in relationships. And I think that's so fucked up. And I think it's a really good way of approaching a subject that a lot of people don't want to talk about, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I thought it was, I think it's really good. I think that's where the movie really shines. Yeah, and I think that it falls true very much to uh, the limping man and the girl who bleeds that end up becoming a couple because the limping man is realizing that his time is about to expire. And uh, I mean, he needs to lie in order to find someone. Surprisingly, many people definitely lie about their traits and how amazing they are at this one thing just to impress someone else. Um, So, I mean, that's very true to real life. And super true. We've all done it. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of relationships are based on a lie like that. Yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. It's, in, it's insanely accurate, you know? And here's the thing. I understand it. You have 45 days. The, you know, desperation settles in way faster than that. You know, we've all been in that headspace where it's like, oh, fuck, you know, I've been in this relationship for I don't know how many months or I don't know how many years. I don't want to be lonely. Mm -hmm. Like, what if this is the only person that will put up with my shit? 
What if I never find someone else? And those 45 days in the movie is that headspace mm-hmm. for us mm-hmm. where it's like, fuck, what if I really don't find someone? I think so you lie. Yeah. And on a, on a, um, the way I would see the film and the concept of having 45, 45 days to find someone, like on a metaphorical level, I think that could easily be stretched onto maybe 45 years or whatever you want to call it. Like the, the entirety of the hotel could be the lifespan of someone's uh, time to find a partner, essentially, because if you were to be 45 years old, it's pretty much too late and you might as well become an animal at that point and live as a pig for the rest of your life. No, but really. Um, so I think it kind of explains it pretty cool. Like 45 days is a very short time to find someone, but realistically, it, it's not that much difference. It's just that time is relative to to that yeah. aspect. I mean, you can get more days. True. Which comes down to a part of the movie that is never explained and that baffles me because I think it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. But to get more days, so I think it's every night or at least every other night, the people in the hotel get to go into the woods that are close to the hotel and they hunt single people. Now, they don't hunt them in the sense of like they kill them with guns. They shoot darts at them tranquilizers yeah so they sedate them and then they take them back to the hotel where we suppose they get turned into animals right well it's actually explained in the sense they have a conversation with the limping man and there's something along the lines of that they are to to they're they're extracting the blood from them so they're essentially uh blood vessels or um you know Hmm. That's why their blood types are important. So it's that's the purpose of hunting them. But it's yet again no true reason why you would hunt someone for sport just to to get their blood. I assume. I think it's. I assume for medical reasons. Maybe it's the process of turning people into animals. Huh? So yeah, I think it's more the animal thing yeah. for sure. But anyways, so if you as a resident of the hotel managed to catch a single person, you get an extra day added to your 45 days. And that's basically your lifeline, I guess. So like, if you don't catch anyone, you only have 45 days and that's it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm always trying to look at what they're trying to say through this on a, on a philosophical level. And, I get the, my best explanation to why they're even hunting loners, why they're even hunter, hunting single people is that as someone in the, in the, because I would like to describe the hotel as kind of like dating life or life as someone. It's like a dating app. It's like a dating app, I guess. It, yeah. That's my best. It's the personification <laughs> of a dating app. It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, at least that's what I see it as. Um, so I guess if you're on a dating app, it's very easy to target someone who is not someone who's single and like look down upon them, maybe give them some shit talk. That's the best explanation I have to why you would hunt loners. Um, 
Well, it's because they go against the system. They do. Right? The system is telling you, and I think this is some of the funnier parts of the movies, is where they are drilling the idea that being in a couple is the only good way to live your life. And so they sit them all in the conference room and put up a stage play Mm -hmm. of why being in a couple is better. So they're like, (laughs) they're like, woman walks alone. And so she's, and the girl starts walking and then this other dude comes out of nowhere and simulates like a very dry rape, I guess that's what I would call. And then, and it's so like, and everyone is like, okay. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, woman walks with man. And they walk around the rapist and nothing happens. And everybody and then, just slow claps. And then everyone claps. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, it is, truly. And I mean, so I think, yeah. yeah, I think that's why they hunt the single people, just because they go against everything they're trying to teach them. But what does it mean, though? I think it just comes down to society and the pressure Mm. that we feel Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you said it at the beginning of the conversation like if you're 45 years old and you're single what's wrong with you Mm -hmm. like why there's got to be a reason why are you crazy are you emotionless do you you know are you super super kinky and a freak and that's why no one wants to be with you like you cannot be single. After a certain age, if you're a single person, you get looked down upon. And it kind of brings up the question to like, uh, David is at some point, I think earlier in the film, asked if he has ever been alone, if he's ever been single. And he says, no, uh, I've never been alone. I, someone has always been with me. I, I assume his wife. But what does, what does that fully intend? Do they start off at the hotel and he found her there i i assume i think it's yeah i think it's like he was because they do go to normal school we know that because of the two girls who are friends Ah. who went to high school and prom Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and all those things so they go to normal school and we know that there's children in this world (laughs) i don't think they give birth the normal way just because of the fact that the hotel can give you a child. So I think uh-huh. there's something there. But basically, as a child, you would be part of a family. And you would go to high school. And so what I think David means is that he met his wife or his ex-wife in high school. And then just transitioned mm-hmm. from living with his parents to living with his wife. And if not, you're sent to the whole hotel, as presumably. Probably, mm, because probably after college. Yeah, because there is you do see a few older people that I think even the biscuit ladies didn't hear her husband die even. Yeah, yeah. So that means you're sent to the hotel because you don't have a partner anymore because they died, which is morbid. <coughs> um, you don't see very many many young people though, possibly because no, of the pressure the younger... of uh, the high school thing. Yeah, sure, finding someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, as a teenager, it's the easiest, let's call it, Mm. part of your life Mm. to pretend to be someone and just go with it. Like, because you don't have 
an individual personality that has formed properly yet. So if you find someone while you're a teenager, I think that's the easiest way for you guys to click in a way that will make you, at least for a while, think that you're made for each other. Yeah, because you're young and there's not much different in your lifestyles because you don't truly know who you are yet. Exactly. And realistically speaking, if you have this threat of the hotel yep. looming in your head... It would be very easy to much. marry your high school sweethearts. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> because like the pressure is there all the time. You know? And like that's why David eventually decides to fake a connection yeah. with the only other... Uh-huh. To his idea accessible woman mm-hmm. which i don't understand man it's like okay i get it biscuit lady is annoying but like if you're gonna prepare like if you're gonna pretend why go with the psycho well i don't get it sure <laughs> yeah uh, he there is just one scene with uh the nose bleeding lady's friend if that's her name uh like the day before i think it it kind of seems like he's trying to make a move on her but she's just given up at that point i guess yeah. Um, regardless, they're not very compatible, which is strange to me how the compatible system works. But um, it's just one thing. It's just one thing. It's one superficial thing that you have to agree on, and that's it. Which again, I think it just comes back to the fact that the guy is talking about how we handle our romantic relationships. For sure, we one hundred percent as society, not you and me. I think we don't have to talk about our specifics. But like, yeah. as a society. <laughs> um, it's very funny to me how a limp can be a, what do they call it? A determining something, something trait? Oh, um, they call it, is it like distinguished, dis, distinguished feature? Yeah. I don't remember something what they call like it. That. But it's like when they go up to the stage and they're like, this is my uh, most attractive thing, or this is my individual thing and it's a limp and that's what i'm gonna based on who i get together with i get it like we all have our deal breakers and there there's definitely a thing that if you have a big enough deal breaker then you will not be able to get with that person sure but um it's it's again very extreme and it's wow it it kind of takes you back as a viewer seeing like they're literally looking for this one thing uh we see david yeah. at the end of it struggling with um the person that he finds an interest in that jeez might be short yeah with that entire brain let's get into that later i guess okay it's it's i mean i think <laughs> i think the complicated part about this movie is the fact that it kind of males humans to a t it's in a very in a very abstract way though i must say yeah yeah. it's never telling you like hey look this is you and like you should be guilty or you should be ashamed but like it does it in a way that as you start thinking about the movie you're like holy shit you know like while watching i have been basing yeah while you're watching it you're in it you're in the ride didn't really look look into it too much but as the credits roll, I'm like sitting there like, well, well, uh, I mean, wow. oh, yeah. 
No, exactly. It's like, huh, maybe I have, you know, based my whole personality about the one trait that that one girl when I was 12 told me that I was. Mm-hmm. And now I am that, you know, or like maybe I base I base who I am on my work or what I study. And that's my whole personality, you know, and it kind of sucks. Kind and of I sucks. feel it's interesting how subtle the mindfuck is with this movie. Because you start thinking about that and then you start thinking about, huh, you know, like, have I ever been in a relationship where, you know, the only thing that we had in common was A or B or C and I wasn't even really into that thing, yep. but she was yep. or he was. And it's like, that sucks. But at the same time, like, you will never be able to find this person. If, if you in real life were to base it on something as simple as you being short-sighted. Of course, finding someone that's short-sighted might be easier than uh, than I make it to be. But um, if you have a limp and is heading out to find someone that also has a limp in the left foot specifically, then you're going to have a hard time dating. I can tell you that. And it won't... <laughs> Like, realistically, it wouldn't be a happy relationship just because David would have found someone that's short-sighted. I guess it inevitably turns out to be that way. Well, I mean, you know, you're saying David might not be happy, but you and I both know how you feel about people with glasses. (laughs) You know, and they are short-sighted people with glasses. Ah. And they might not make... The whole relationship, but it's a plus. It's a plus, for sure. <laughs> so you're saying that the entire movie is just a metaphor for kinks? Not Well, here's the thing. Kinks, or the word kink, is just used for a sexual thing. Yeah. But realistically, all of our likes and all of our dislikes are in some shape or form kinks. Mm-hmm. You know? And it and non-sexual everyone has them yeah non-sexual ones and you got a point I think I think what it's trying to say is just how superficial we can be as human beings Mm -hmm. you know like there's famous people I'm sure there's people who are not famous who will do this but you know there's famous people who have prenups where it specifies that if either of them gains more than 20 pounds that's it Mm-hmm. They can they they'll get a divorce. Like we are very superficial as human beings, and it's easy to get carried away with that, you know, and not see past that. And we see that at the ending. We can talk about it now. Like Rachel Weiss's character goes blind. And that kind of destroys the whole illusion for David. Because even though she's still the same person. Yeah. Like she has not changed. She just went from short sighted to blind and short-sightedness was the one link the one thing Mm -hmm. that david thought was their connection but you also do see him struggle throughout this that like he's not feeling the same around her anymore like truly it it might not be a complete deal breaker and he's trying his best to work his way around it but it's simply not the same as her being short-sighted as it is her now being blind of course and you know like the movie's not, unfortunately, the movie's not talking about a separate scenario or about an exaggerated scenario. You know, a lot of couples go through that mm. where it's like 
maybe one of them gets into a car accident or one of them goes to war and comes back without a hand. Mm -hmm. Like we construct ideas of who these people are, of, of who these people that we love are. And once those illusions, when the, once those images are broken or corrupted in some way, it's hard for us to cling onto that emotion that we had for them. And it's, it sucks, I guess, but it's really true sometimes. So at the end, we see David and I'm going to call her the short-sighted <laughs> woman. I think that's her credit. Um, that is her credit. Mm -hmm. It's funny. Uh, well, they, they, they head out back into the city where happy couples, married people exist and live and blossom. Uh, they're seated at a restaurant and David asks for a butcher's knife and he's now headed into the bathroom to cut his eyes out to also become blind so that yet again they have a a mutual trait or so and so to make it all mm -hmm. better again. Apparently it says a lot about you as a person what you think David's decision is what do you think it does does he wait wasn't it clear no it leaves no it, it's completely open-ended mouth <laughs> oh, this is gonna be good i i don't think he did it i really for me it was really really clear that he didn't do uh -huh. it I mean, he's so definitely I guess struggled. that kind of says a lot of me. Kind of says a lot about you. Uh, and me, too. You know, it's like, like, here's the thing. It's very cynical to think it's that. It's very cynical. Here's why I think he didn't do it. Mm -hmm. and, and yes, it's cynical in a way, but here's the reason why I think he didn't do it. If he really loved her, taking his eyes out mm -hmm. wouldn't have been a thing. He thought he needed to take his eyes out so that they could continue with their relationship to find normalcy, whatever. She never asked that. She was happy with their relationship as it was because she enjoyed him as a person. So if he was really in love with her, why even, why the need to take out your eyes if she's happy and you're happy, right? Mm -hmm. But if your brain went to, if I'm not blind and she's blind, we're not compatible, then you you didn't take your eyes out. I'm sorry. That's it. Good point. Uh, some <laughs> people online are, are assume that he does do it at the end, uh, regardless of how much he struggles up to that point. And I mean, it's, it's a romantic idea that he would do something like that for her, I guess. You, there's also an argument that he simply doesn't take his eyes out, that he's still able to see, but lies just like he did uh, with that previous relationship, just like that other guy with Ugh. the limp did. He just lies all the way through it. Like, I don't know, love is blind. That's she worse, never needs though. to find out. That's awful. Well, that's worse, though. But again, a like... lot of people live their lives lying about something very significant to their partner. But I would rather, okay, and you know, and this is why I'm not cynical, okay? Because that's, <laughs> that's fucked up. Like, oh, I hadn't even thought of that. I, me for neither. me, it was like, for me, it was like, he didn't do it, he left, because he can't live. But it's very awful just leaving her there. Like, she she's 
giving a pretty big sacrifice, not in, not herself, not intentionally, but she's been through a lot for because of him. Like she she's pretty much uh, she's she wouldn't survive long in the woods without it, Isaac, and he's just bailing on her. That's awful. Yeah, but lying lying to someone about something like that, mm. I think that's worse. I think that's definitely worse. Like, and I mean, he should have learned his lesson, right? Yeah. Like, he lied to the psycho. Yeah. Bitch kicked his brother slash dog to death, mm-hmm. which, wow, wow. That, okay, so when they moved in together... <laughs> They move in together, they walk into the room, and the director decides to cut away to the dog jumping into the couch. And I was like, oh my God, if they kill this dog. And it's just like a kind of throwaway thought that you have. And then she wakes him up and she's like, I killed your I killed your brother. And you're like, oh my God. <laughs> of course. And it's like, and and we can talk about what you mentioned at first with the whole monotone narrator Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. monotone um delivery of all the dialogue because everyone does it like that everyone seemed to be emotionless her especially and i didn't really understand that she was that emotionless until she actually killed the fucking dog the brother um and it's so it's so graphic Mm. like we don't need to see it Mm. because we don't see it Mm. we only see her foot covered in blood and then she mimics the sound that the dog did. And it's so twisted. And you're like, it's, fucked it's up. so dark. It's so fucked up. But about the monotone voices? I feel it's like, I think it's just another point or another trait to add to the point that emotions are not a thing. Emotions are not a thing in this world. Yeah, Emotion could be linked to personality or to individuality. Because emotions, let's say, add color to who we are. Yeah. Because these people don't have, you know, a personality or an individuality because they all dress the same and they all talk the same. I think it just has to do with that. With trying to prove that emotions are not a thing in this universe. Companionship is just a way to live. It's just a product of being lonely. It's not something, at least in this reality, that's what I'm talking about. Like, they're not trying to, they never talk about love. They never talk about happiness or sadness. It's Mm -hmm. always loneliness. Mm -hmm. It's always loneliness. Can you live with that loneliness or can't you? And that's it. And I think that's why the monotone thing. And I don't know if I like it. <laughs> <laughs> like on a, as a film, you don't like it, you mean? Yeah, as a film. Okay. I think it, like I, I, I liked it at the start. I dug it. I was like, this is interesting. This is new. After an hour, I was like, oh, this really brings it down. Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest things for me. It's like with John Malkovich... I watched it twice, two days. It flew by. It was fine. It was funny. It was nice. I don't know if I would see this again Mm -hmm. in a short period of time. I might revisit Mm. it like five years down the line. I don't know if I want to watch it tomorrow. 
I think there's a lot to explore on the second watch. However, knowing that, for example, the narrator is uh, the woman that he eventually falls in love with, question mark. Um, yeah. Small things like that. Um, no, I agree. There's a lot to unpackage. But again, I don't know if I'd watch it tomorrow. It's, I mean, they use the word love as in the sense of you have to fall in love with someone it, it, within these four to five days. Um but it's really just getting together with a partner to live life with. Very like animalistic-like, wouldn't you say? Which is ironic, yeah. considering they're turned into animals. I think there's a correlation or something that they're trying to play with there of the animal kingdom versus well, I read. human human. Life. Well, I think I think you're right. Mm. I think they talk about it a little bit when they're t the hotel management. Yep, when the hotel management. Uh, I said it again. <laughs> what the fuck? Hotel manager. When the hotel manager, who is played by Olivia Coleman, who I adore. Okay. But that's a different topic. But she's telling Nosebleed's best friend. She's like, it's your last night. What do you want to do? We suggest something that you can't do as an animal. Right? Because a lot of people, you know, you're like... There's this question of like, if this was your last day on earth, mm. what would you do? Mm. And people are like, I would order this type of food. I would be with this person and I would have sex with this person. Yeah. You know, it, that's kind of like the basic answer. It's very human. Yeah. And the hotel manager goes like, do something that you can't do as an animal. So, which is none of those, you know, things. read a book, dance, do something that is not fuck or eat or sleep because you could do those as an animal mm -hmm. and i think it ties back to what you just asked and i think it's really interesting because there's people who think that the animal that you choose says a lot about who you are mm -hmm. i don't know how and i personally have been thinking about what animal i would choose yeah. But I don't know. I'm struggling. Do you know? I haven't really come, sat down and thought about it. <laughs> like, why would I? But um, because when we're put in the scenario of like the hotel manager asks this question to David, I'm like, yeah. Well, I would pick a dog probably, and then she is, uh, she she's always so, she looks down on everyone so much, and it's fun to me, like. Well, everyone yeah. picks a dog. Like, that's stupid. That's why there's so many dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless, David chose to be a lobster, which is kind of fun. Cons yes. Considering the title, that's just like... I'm, the title says nothing about the film, really, realistically. Nothing. But knowing that he chooses a lobster, I think, says a lot about the, about the character. He says... I mean, uh, some of the main points is that they're fertile all of their year. They, ha they mm -hmm. live for 100 years. I, they have a long lifespan. So that's important to him. Mm -hmm. That if, mm -hmm. I guess, or I assume that if he fails within these four to five days, he'll still have a long life to live and find someone then, huh? I guess. I feel it talks more about the fact that he might be afraid of dying. Okay. And that's why he's willing to lie. Possibly. To be with someone. What they never mention, which I find interesting, because when I heard Lobster, I thought of that pretty much instantly, is that uh, there's this like urban myth that Lobster... That they made for life? That they made for life. That isn't that a subconscious thing, I right? Thought, I thought that's what it, I thought that's what he was going for. Yes, one hundred percent. I want to be a lobster. 
because they're made for life. And I was like, okay, that makes sense because the dude was left by his wife for another dude. So I guess in my head, it's like that traumatized him to the point where he's like, if I do become an animal and if I do have to find someone else as an animal, I might as well be with them together, like forever. Mm. But it's not that. Of course, it's not. He also case. says that, like maybe, maybe he just he's just a player and wants to live a long life and do things that he's I not allowed know. to do as a human because he has to stay with one monogamous person and he's not allowed to have sexual intercourse with multiple people even as a loner. Maybe he wants a long life for that. I don't know. I really hoped that we would see David as a lobster at the end of the film. But then again, it kind of made more sense mm -hmm. that he would that he would be the donkey that we saw in the intro. The donkey's never ever explained. Well, he's kid. He, he's killed by the psycho lady, right? Sorry, what? The the woman who kills the donkey. No. Is is it? Is she not it? Okay. You you say the psycho lady yeah. as in the uh, she she's a the heartless. <laughs> no, the heartless lady is turned into an animal. Remember. By David. Yeah. Uh, it's a nondescript character that kills the donkey. That's completely like unexplained. So, but it, it's just the way the movie opens? It's the way the movie opens. And I guess they're trying to just like set the rules straight, but it makes zero sense watching it the first time. Are you sure? Yeah. Like the credit of the person in the car seat, it's a beautiful sequence though. No? Uh, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, like overall, Beautiful. Cinematography wise, a lot of people Beautiful. think it's like really normal. Like there's no crazy lighting. There's no really a lot of stuff. But for me, it was really, really beautiful. It was just like minimalist. It's more about composition. Yeah, sure. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. A lot of good yeah. screenshots that I grabbed. For sure. No, the donkey sequence is never really explained. Uh, but I guess it established the world they live in. But it's just so vague. But in what sense? Yeah. Though? Could it be David? Probably not. Who would that be? I don't think so. Could it be the heartless lady? Is David turning her into a donkey? But then why is she? I don't know. What? I don't know. I, okay, so here's the thing. I, my mind is blown because I hadn't <laughs> thought of it. Because in my head, the driver was heartless lady or psychopath or whatever we want to call her. The, the, the person who killed David's brother. So in my head, it was like, oh, it's her. And she's going to kill this animal. And it could be her ex-husband who left her or whatever. It must like, be. I don't know. I mean, it must be something like that, right? <laughs> that she is a previous partner of the donkey. Yes. Must be. And she's bitter. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. But the character is never... Uh, also... Just to be clear, she's bitter, not because she's a woman. Guys can be bitter, too. Let's make it clear, wow. okay? Yeah. I'm just saying she's bitter because she was left. Like, anyone who's left might be bitter. Just saying. But, yes, keep going. It kind of brings up the question also, <laughs> what animal do you think David turns the heartless lady into? Just, just for clarity, uh, David actually, after... The heartless lady kills his brother. He escapes from her and drags her into this chamber where they turn and people into animals. And the narrator says that 
uh, he never David never tells her. Mm -hmm. Some people online are debate whether or not he actually turns her into an animal. Uh, maybe he straight up kills her, like she did to her, his brother. Two things about it. One, she says when she captures him and is taking him to see the hotel manager, she says, hey, you're going to get turned into an animal that no one wants to be turned into. Right. So that could be a thing. Second yeah. of all, they at some point describe or try to describe or gossip more like about what the process is to turn people into mm -hmm. animals. Mm -hmm. And it sounds very convoluted. <gasps> and I doubt that the lab has like a poster that says like step one, step two, step three. Yeah. I think he killed her. Yeah. I think she, I think he just killed her. Yeah. But he, because... Uh, is it the narrator that describes it as he was thinking about kicking her till she's dead? Yeah. But then again, she's yeah, yeah. paralyzed, so she wouldn't feel it. So yeah, I can totally. Get what do you that. think? What I do you have... think is the animal that no one wants to be? I have. Oh yeah, because mm. that's the real question. Like, if he somehow were to turn her into an animal, what would it be? Pro probably the animal yeah. that no one wants to be. Yeah, but what is it? <sighs> a pig? There's pigs, though. There are pigs. Maybe that's the animal that have the ultimate punishment. But they're going around looking for truffles. That's kind of dope. There's there's zero explanation to it. It's just your own yeah. perception. And I have no good take on what's the worst animal to be. I, a worm, I guess. Eh. <clears throat> Well, that's the other thing, right? Like, when they say animal, do they mean mammal? No, Fair. because it, he because he can be a lobster. So, oh yeah. But what about insects? Can you be a spider? Can you be a worm? Can you be a fly? What about a rabbit? I wouldn't want to be a fly because the wood seems to be filled of rabbits. Could it be a rabbit? Interesting, like the. Okay, I see what you're saying. Because they're commonly hunted by the loners. The loners are so weird. It's very. Weird. I love their introduction, though. Mm -hmm. I love how it's like they're talking about the rules and they're talking about how they don't flirt and all that stuff. And she's like, "Yeah, no, we." The leader, she says, "Like, no, we don't flirt. There's no uh, relationship between us. Uh, that's why even when we dance, we only play electronic music." And I was like. <laughs> that is such a <laughs> I thought that was such a random thing yeah. but then down the line like halfway through the movie or something they actually have a dance party and they actually only play electronic music and use and they're wearing headphones and the director chooses not to let us hear what's in their headphones so these guys are just like yeah moving around moving <laughs> crazily around the woods and it's so bizarre and out of sync i assume too because later on it's very important to to david to actually sync up the song the romantic song that they're dancing to uh, <clears throat> as a couple you know i think to an extent the loners are maybe a little harsher yeah than the couples yeah because which is interesting the biscuit lady at one point 
invites herself or asks if she could be invited over to David's. And she's like, I could give you a blowjob or anal. There's so much to talk about anal in this film. Anal. Yeah. Um, so it's it's clear that you can't masturbate in the hotel, but you can have sexual intercourse with a with a partner. Not necessarily yeah. your. They're, they never Preferred. they never specify that, but I assume that it doesn't no. have to be your uh, partner. At the end of it, um, what was I getting at? Yeah, there's there's none of that with the loners, uh, which is doesn't really make sense to me. Still, uh, I feel I think it doesn't have to make sense to us. I think Yergos is just trying to pinpoint the fact that you know there's a lot of groups in like within our society, mm-hmm. you know, and they all have their individual set of rules. And if you're in one side of the fence, the rules from the other people don't make sense and vice versa. But if you take the time to, you know, kind of separate yourself uh, from the expectations and maybe even the pressure of a society, of a perfect society, then you might find yourself understanding that rules overall are very arbitrary and a lot of them don't make sense. I don't know if they had to be so brutal though. The whole thing with like cutting up their lips and making them kiss. And then like she says, uh, it's a red kiss. And then the other one is, um, it's like, she says, it's like red genitals or red coitus. Like she uses a very scientific word. And I'm just like, that's painful. No, um, uh, some guy online, described the leader of the loners as simply enough just jealous of other people like uh, she's incompatible of of finding love herself so therefore she just like puts all of these rules out there preventing a lot of other people from doing it i mean i feel like you can see the jealousy in her um when oh yeah when she starts to realize that david and uh short-sighted woman is uh actually a thing yeah mm. I, I I can agree with that. She blinds the other woman. She like just because, because and that's that's the other thing, right? In my head, if these are all loners, yeah, loners, and they all, you know, went through the very shitty experience of not finding someone in the hotel. Why force them? To live like that. Right? Like, why not give them the chance of being a couple and then leaving? And I think it comes down to what you said. The leader is just jealous. She can't find someone. She probably hasn't been able to find someone in the whatever time she's been there. So she forced them to stay single mm-hmm. so that she doesn't have to stay alone all the time, which is sad. But again, it talks about our friend groups. It talks about our society you know there's always that one dude who's like calling the only guy in a relationship in the friend group and he's like oh you're so whipped or oh you're such a bitch or oh you're not free anymore like all of these derogatory terms towards the fact that maybe this dude is just happy in a relationship and there's nothing wrong with it uh yeah i mean no one wants to be a third wheel like so and so I guess so. Mm. 
um, it really comes down to no no group of people, cult, whatever you want to call it. None of them is perfect. Um, and we definitely see it when the loners or the leader brings them to the hotel to, I mean, the scene when, uh, when the partner of the hotel manager shoots her, uh, but there is no bullets in the gun. That's an amazing scene. And it, I feel mm. like it says a lot about relationships and how fragile they are, especially when they're based on those small, uh, actually unimportant things. Yeah. Um, or just this idea of how you see your partner. Because mm. we think, like, we, when you're in a relationship, hopefully you think that you guys are equals. And that you yeah. think highly of this person. And that this person thinks highly of you. And that's the only thing that gets shattered in that scene. Yeah. The fact that the hotel manager realizes that her husband sees her as weak. Not as self-sufficient as she sees both of them. So that gets fucked. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's all they're trying to do. Because here's the thing. When they were going up to the hotel, I was like, okay, what they're going to do? Are they going to kill them? Are they going to kill the couples? Is it kind of like a, I don't know, like a fuck you to the system, to the establishment of like all your couples are gone and now you have only singles? But no, all they did is go into the rooms and shatter that illusion that they all have. And I think... I think that's way more interesting than having them murdered. Yeah. It's awesome. No, for sure. At the same time, them as a society living in the woods and having seeming, or at least some of them, way more harsher rules, you could argue that they're not much better. We don't spend that much time in the city where happily married people, hmm, maybe it's my question mark. Question mark. Uh, we don't see that much of it, so it's hard to tell. Um. But presumably none of these worlds or classes or worlds or uh, different ways of living uh, uh, is perfect, simply enough. Do you have any final thoughts on the lobster? Or anything that you want to bring up before we wrap it up even? It's very vague, all of it. Yeah. No. I think I don't really want to call it a sci-fi because a lot of people might disagree and you're probably right. But I like concept movies yeah. when they use a concept not to be a cooler, you know, visual movie, but when they explore the concept simply to explore us as humans, as a society and how we behave. And I think that's why I really like the movie. There's a lot of things I didn't like. I don't like the pacing. I think a lot of it could have been cut down to be completely honest. There's a couple of scenes where you're like me. Fair enough. Um, sure. I didn't necessarily enjoy the idea that they have this monotone voice, the characters and the narrator. But other than that, I think the movie really shines. 
mm. as an exploration of how human dynamics work. Um, the best way I, I could describe it is that it would be an alternate dimension or alternate reality, mm-hmm. rather, uh, and in that aspect of sci-fi. But yeah, it's not really a sci-fi. It's just a dystopian setting that it plays with. Yeah, and I think I like movies that make you ponder yeah, and make you analyze what you've been doing with your own life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the fact, But they have to be subtle about it. You know, they can't be preachy. If they're preachy, they're boring. If they're preachy, you kind of tune it off. But I think this has been the first time in a while where I look at a movie and I just find myself thinking about it without sitting down and thinking about it. Mm -hmm. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? It just kind of creeps up on you. Mm -hmm. I like that. And I think it was, I think that was really fun. I thought I was very pleasantly surprised. Again, I was surprising. I was surprisingly impressed with the film i enjoyed it more than i thought i would knowing it was a very artsy or metaphorical film it was just enough with the uh and it explained everything in a good way and i gave it three out of five stars good so i i haven't rated it yet uh i haven't given it a rating a rating yet But, you know, I think, realistically speaking, I really enjoy the acting. Mm -hmm. Like, I really do. Really. Especially Colin Firth. Like, he was completely gone. Mm -hmm. Like, in my head, he's always the guy from In Bruges. And that's such a different character than this. Like, completely different. So, I was really into his performance. So, I like the acting. And... The cinematography was great. And I think the score was really haunting. Um, cool. I, th- I think it was a, a high point for me too. So I think I'm going to give it up. I'm going to give it a 3.5. Mm. So 3.5 stars out of 5. Because it was really good. It was not necessarily my favorite movie. I don't know about rewatchability. Um, and I don't know how easy it is to recommend, but I think 3.5 is a good, solid, yeah. you know, rating for the movie. Yeah, it really makes you think, and I appreciate that. I really wonder about uh, the donkey in the beginning, however. <laughs> yeah, makes now me... it's going to be stuck in my head because yeah. I had already written it off. <laughs> I was like, that's not important. We already know what that is, and now I don't. Uh, but I am, however, intrigued to watch more of uh, the director's filmography. I'll, I agree. I'll give that a especially, watch. Um, especially Killing of a Sacred Deer. Because mm-hmm. everyone talks about that, even more than The Lobster. Yeah. Um, and I've had it in my list for years. Yeah. So. But it's a heavy watch, you know. you got to be in the mood <laughs> for these kind of films. And yeah, kind of sucks, but it's it's that kind of a movie. I really like the favorite though. Mm-hmm. I really, really like the favorite. Never saw it. That actually, I thought was hilarious. Ah. Like I laughed a lot during that movie, and it's just so good. I really, really like that one actually. <laughs> so, Dopings. yeah, Coolio. Well, it's All been right. a nice conversation, nonetheless. Yes. 
nice conversation, nice cup of coffee, and now they're both over. Yeah. Well, make sure to follow both Mao and follow me on the box to find out when we, well, log movies. That's really what it's all about. Give our rating yeah. at everything that we watch in between these episodes. Also, make sure to follow and subscribe on YouTube, on whatever else you might be listening to this podcast. And um, thank you very much for sticking with us. It's been an interesting conversation, maybe a bit deeper than uh, usual. It's definitely one of those movies, but I've enjoyed it nonetheless. I hope that you did as well. For sure. For sure. I think it was really fun. Like Algad said, like, subscribe, share. Sharing is caring, you know? People like movies. We like movies. Some people like listening to other people talk about movies. Mm. So share us with them, please. Can we do a uh, pornographic movie next time, maybe? We could do Deep Throat. Deep Throat is good. You still need to see it. <laughs> Legit. Can't recommend it enough. Alrighty. I think it's just so campy. It is. And it's hilarious. I mean, it's not like you're doing things to that film it's just you're, well, you're there for the plot porno it is a porno <laughs> but uh but the plot is so insane give it a watch i won't spoil it too much for you is that your is that your subtle recommendation yeah like you're leaving it till the end because yeah. you couldn't put it at the beginning yeah. like only the people who stick with yeah. us know that your true recommendation of the week is deep throat truly well it's also most of deep throat is on youtube by the way, just not the sex part. So only the good parts are on YouTube? <laughs> exactly. All of the plot. The director's edition. All the plot is on YouTube. Mm. <laughs> well, now I know what I'm going to do tonight. So on that note, catch you on the flip side. See ya.